Most Americans do not cotton to the idea of being compared with dumb sheep. Now, over the past couple of years, we wouldn't mind uh, having herd immunity, but we want nothing to do with herd mentality. Thank you. We are not dumb sheep. But they understood this analogy in Jesus' day with shepherds and sheep, and they understood it 700 years before when old Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way. And they understood it when the Apostle Paul said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you are here today or you're listening today and you are a person who is in a situation in which you are literally helpless or alone or frightened or panicked, or paralyzed, or depleted, or discouraged, or disoriented, or depressed, or you feel like you're in free fall, then you understand that we're not talking about sheep anymore. We are talking about people. Look at this little sheep and tell me if you could find it, what it was that drew a shepherd to a dumb animal like this. Here was the resume of the sheep. Was born, ate grass, grew wool, got lost. <laughs> what do you want with something like that? But he had one redeeming quality about him, and it was this. He did one more thing. He cried out. He cried for help. And when you translate that to us and to people, that is the one thing that that shepherd is looking for. He cried out. If you are a sheep, you cry, bah. If you are a dog, you bark. If you're a cat, tough. If you are a human being, you cry, help. Can anybody hear me? Somebody, please help. Because, are you listening? If there's no cry for help, nobody can hear you when you're lost. And now we're talking about people. And now we're talking about somebody right here. That's how you get found. You cry out to God and to others for help. Suddenly, this passage takes on a different focus and the shepherd becomes the star of the show. It's a shepherd who counts sheep and, and the sheep count. It's a shepherd who leaves the comfort of his own home. And it's a shepherd who stops and looks and listens and who searches. It's a shepherd who, this parable says, he will search until he finds whatever it takes, overtime, whatever. And then when he finds this sheep, this person, he carries it on his shoulders and joyfully takes it home. You can almost hear him saying, I made you. I found you. I will sustain you. I will comfort you. I'll rescue you. I'm taking you home. And so 
he takes it home and suddenly the star of the show, like a little kid on his daddy's shoulders at the parade, uh, the little kid is now the star of the show, made that way by the real star of the show. And that's why a little later in this passage of the same gospel that all of our passages are from today, Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that means you, and that means me. Where did he find me? He found me caged, but called. Where, pray, fell, pray tell my dear friend, where did he find you? And when he finds you, and you sense that you've gotten lost all on your own and you're not worthy, he says, you're the one. <laughs> you're the one I'm looking for. You're exactly who I was looking for. And I found you. Now let's go home. As Warren Wearsby said, you know, in, in this passage, there's a fourfold joy. There's the joy of the one who finds the lost. There's the joy of the person who is found. There's the joy of the people who are waiting to hear the news, if they found you or not. And there's the joy of the angels and the people in heaven. And you have become the star of the show. You've been brought home. Home is where the shepherd is. Home is where the flock is. A couple of weeks ago, a couple from our, one of our campus churches was doing what they do at the pool, and they were sharing with another young couple, and this, um, they, they talk about their church all the time. They love their BWC campus church. And this other couple said, uh, that sounds neat. Where do you go to church? And they told them. I said, because we're looking for a church. Our family went to a church in town here last Sunday, and we found our own seat, and we sat down, and somebody came up to us and said, excuse me, you're in my seat. And that couple said, you show up at 9 o'clock at my campus church this Sunday, I guarantee you that will never happen here. And so there's nothing sweeter than when somebody feels like they're coming home and nothing sweeter to a pastor's ears than somebody who says, I walked into your church. From the moment I walked in, I felt like I was home. I felt like I'd come home. I felt like there were people there who really cared. And I felt like somebody wanted to hear my story. And I felt like I might have a gift that could be used there. And I just felt like I had come home. And maybe that's you today. If you're here for the first time today, I want to tell you something. You are the star of our show. We're so glad that you're here. And we pray that one day, though you may be in some way that sheep that was just found, that one day in the future you'll be here helping to celebrate the party 
for another one. There's a party here today in your honor. We're so glad to have you. Thank you for listening kindly to the story of the lost sheep. Now listen to the story of the lost coin that Pastor Peter will present to you. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. As a kid growing up, I always enjoyed playing with Legos. That continued into my teenage years, and even now as an adult, it's something I like to do just in my free time, and that I get to spend some time with my son, and I build them, he plays with them. It's kind of just like this give and take kind of thing, and it just works out for, the, for both of us. Uh, as a kid, I would do chores to earn money, right? And that money, which was only a few dollars, would translate into me getting to go to the store and purchase a Lego. And, you know, five bucks back then was a lot of money. Um, and for me as a kid, I would, I'd take that, you know, money and I'd go and I'd buy a Lego set that i have been saving up for. And it was valuable to me. I spent that time and that effort and it was valuable. And so the Legos had value to me in my eyes as a child and as a teen. Recently... Um, I bought a, a used Lego set. Um, it's this little Boba Fett head helmet thing. Um, this is one of my favorites. Um, I bought it like this, but me being a Lego builder and enjoying doing it, I had to take it apart and put it back together uh, while watching Star Wars, of course. And so I took it apart, and I'm putting it back together, and I get to the end. And you probably know where this is going, I'm missing one piece. Now you're like, Pastor Peter, what is one piece? Like, I would not recognize that. You know, it, it was literally on this little antenna thing. There's a little one by two gray brick that, was, that I could not find. I don't know if I lost it while taking it apart or if it just wasn't there at the beginning when I purchased it from this gentleman. But it was missing. You would see it sitting on my shelf in my office, and you'd be like, wow, that's a cool set. But every time I would look at it, I would know it wasn't complete. I would know that the value isn't all there because the set is not complete, and every brick was not there. And I searched, and I searched, and I searched for this one little brick, and I could not find it. And so I ended up giving up, and... I raised my white flag, and I ended up calling Lego, and they were nice enough to send me that one brick. So now it is a complete set, and all the value is there. So, unfortunately, I still couldn't find it. And in this story of the woman with the lost coin, she has ten of these coins, which to her were very valuable. These coins were probably a wedding gift that uh, Palestinian women would get, for their wedding, and so they would get these coins, and so they were of high value to her. There's two ways that we can look at this parable. One, as somebody who's trying to follow Christ, and the second, from the eyes of our Heavenly Father. You see, as Christians, our relationship with God is to be of utmost value, right? 
We place God at this super high pedestal, hopefully at the highest point in our life, which is where he should be. But so often we forget about it and our relationship with him becomes lost. Let me tell you, when you neglect something long enough, if you neglect it enough, like our relationship with God, you will replace it. When you neglect it enough, you will replace it. Think of it as a marriage. You get married. You're on your wedding day. It's great. There's balloons. Everybody's there to see you and your spouse. There's a celebration. It's beautiful. Your focus for that day and the highest valued thing during that day, it's not the cake, which normally doesn't taste good anyway. It's your spouse. That's the highest value for you in that day. Over time, if you don't continue to see their value, you'll replace them with something else. It might not be intentional. You might not wake up one morning and say, oh, you know what, I'm not going to see their value today. But over time, the neglect will sit in and you'll find something to replace it, whether it be somebody else, it could be work, it could be an object or even a hobby. It doesn't necessarily have to be something bad, but if you neglect that value enough, you will find something to replace it. Coins are lost because of carelessness and neglect, and other things cover them up. Our preoccupation with one thing can cover up and overshadow our relationship with God. But the cool part is that even though we might neglect God, whether intentional or not, whether we walk away and try to forget about him, or it just happens out of neglect. He never neglects us. He never neglects you. So this woman loses one of her coins, and in verse 8, it says, Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? You see, when we lose something that's of value to us, don't you try everything to find it? You turn on the lights. You're not walking around your house trying to find something in the dark. You turn the lights on. Maybe you put some stuff away that's out of place just so that the floor is clear. You sweep up, looking, and you look diligently. If you're like me, you lose your keys a lot. But it would be silly to, to look around the house with no lights on. And that's what this woman does. When we lose something of value, we must search diligently for it. Not just haphazardly, but search until we find it. Some translations say that the woman searched diligently for the coin, and when we put our relationship with God on a shelf, and it becomes neglected, we must do everything in our power to find what happened and get that relationship back. Get it back on track. Get our relationship with God back to a place where he is the highest valued thing in our life. Where he is the center of our heart and our mind. Because just like the shepherd and the sheep that were spoken about, and the woman and her coin, God values and wants a relationship with you. Sheep and coins, they're important. But to God, people are important. Each and every one of you is important. And you'll see that in our next parable.
The Parable of the Lost Son. How's that mic doing? There we are. Just real quick, by a show of hands, how many of you ever got in trouble as a child or a young person? Let's see those hands. If your neighbor doesn't put their hand up, nudge them, say, don't lie in church. Yes, you got in trouble as a young child or young person. And if you got in trouble quite often, I'm sure there were a few moments where you got a good talking to. Those talks where you are trapped and they are just drilling into your mind why what you did was wrong. As a young person, I had a moment or 12 like that. If you ask my parents, they might give you a higher number. I'm not sure. And in those moments, I would like to think that sometimes I was able to listen and learn and and maybe kind of work through that stuff. But I had another classic move that I would bring out in some of those moments. You know, as the conversation was progressing, my parents were saying something, I would do the classic walk away. That's right, right in the middle of the conversation without any regard, I would just walk away. I haven't had the privilege of parenting, privilege, parenting a teenager yet. My son is a little bit younger, but as a youth pastor who works with students quite often, I could imagine the classic walk away would be very, very frustrating. And while walking away in a situation like that can be frustrating, we recognize there are moments where walking away might make sense. When the conversation's not going any further, things are getting heated, in the right context, walking away might work. However, as we look at this parable of the lost son, we see that walking away was a huge mistake. And not only did this lost son walk away from the father, but as we read our passage in Luke chapter 15, we see that the son actually begins to walk towards something else as well. Verse 13 of our passage says that after the son had received his share of the estate, he got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. So not only does the son begin with this first mistake of walking away from the father, but we recognize that this leads him down a road of mistakes till he finds himself in this situation that is worse off than he ever would have imagined. Hiring himself out to feed pigs, being so hungry And broke that there is this desire to eat what the pigs have simply to fill his stomach. We're talking about a rock bottom moment. But as we read on through our story, we recognize that this is not where the story ends. And in fact, what happens next sets a whole new direction for what's ahead. In verses 17 through 20, it says... When the son came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And here's verse 20, the last verse in this passage. It's so simple, but so Important. 
It says, so he got up and went to his father. See, the truth is, without physically getting up and going to where the father was, all this lost son has are good intentions. And while good intentions aren't a bad thing, we recognize that they don't actually fix the problem or change anything. As we look at this lost son's actions and mistakes, it can be so easy for us to analyze the situation and begin to judge him saying, this is where you went wrong. But in reality, while the details may look different, the truth is many of us today are just as lost. Whether we've completely walked away from God or we've simply gotten distracted, it doesn't change the fact that being with God is not a priority in our lives. And while we know returning to God is always an option, I see us take another path quite often. We're able to recognize when we look at our lives, the things we're doing, the way we're living, it's wrong. And we have this desire and these intentions to change. But quite often, we don't see people actually get up and do something about it. We don't get up and go to the Father. Whether it's because we're embarrassed, we have shame, we think we're too far gone. We stop with this desire to change and change never actually becomes a reality. But friends, this morning I want to remind you that there is another path. God cares about you more than he cares about your mistakes. Let me say for this half of the room, God cares about you more than he cares about your mistakes. And if we could just come to our senses for a moment... And physically get up and go to the Father. We would see he is waiting with arms wide open. Ready to offer forgiveness and grace. God will never leave you. In fact, in our parable, the reason the lost son is able to return to the Father is because the lost son knows where the Father is. You know, when the son said to his father, give me my half of the estate, he's allowed to do that in his culture. But what he's saying is, you're dead to me. And it doesn't matter what the son does to the father. It doesn't matter how he talks to the father. It doesn't matter how he treats the father. The son knows the father will always be there. The father isn't going anywhere. And even in the midst that, of all that's been happening, all we see going on here, look at the father's response when the son returns. The Bible says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The father then goes on to clothe the son, put jewelry on him, and throws a party to celebrate his arrival home. This parable gives us a direct glimpse of the character of God as the father. We see God's love for us in this moment. When we walk away from God, when we get distracted, when we go down the wrong path, God is not in heaven Arms crossed, shaking his head in disappointment. 
In fact, quite the opposite. We see a picture of God where he is waiting expectantly with arms wide open, ready to welcome us back in. You know, while this parable is named after the lost son, I would argue we could call this parable the story of a loving father. It all points to God's love for us. He's waiting with arms wide open for us to return. And the incredible thing about this love that we see displayed here is that this very love is offered to each and every one of us as God's children. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how long you've been gone or how you've treated the Father. The Father is there, and He is waiting for you to return and to come home. All you have to do is get up and go to Him. And so right now, as we close, we want to offer an opportunity to respond. Whether you're sitting here or you're online listening in, maybe you're saying right now in this moment, I want to return to the Father. I want to make a commitment to God right now to come home. Or maybe this morning you're saying... I've been lost and never been found. Well, then we're giving you the opportunity right now for the first time to open your life up to Jesus and to invite him in as your Lord and Savior. We believe that God's grace is so much bigger than our sin. And that through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we have the opportunity to have our sins forgiven and this hope for a future through a relationship with God. We have the opportunity to receive eternal life when our time on earth is done. And so in just a moment, I'm going to close with a short prayer. And if today you want to say that prayer, you can repeat it after me. We believe that God's love transforms lives and that love is extended to you today. This prayer will express your heart and your desire to trust Jesus and to put him first. So with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm going to say this prayer, and if you want to repeat it out loud or silently after me, you are more than welcome. Jesus, I know that I have sinned and wandered away. Right now, I ask that you forgive me. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. Right now, I choose to walk away from my sin and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we would love for you to mark that on your online or in-person connect card. We'll have some pastors and staff available up at the front as well if you would like to talk after service. We really do believe 
that one encounter with God can change everything. And so as you leave this place today, we hope that you are encouraged knowing the God who created you, the God who formed you, still seeks after you today.